Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we're going to do a study before the study. Again? Yeah, well, it's just the Word of God, so don't worry about it. The life of a baby. I think this is the first slide that we might have here. The life of a baby. Now we'll, get, we'll show that later. Let's get past it. There we go. Yeah, there we go. We'll show that at the very end. After, after the study of the study. Yeah, they need to see that. That's, yeah. Okay, so the life of a baby. That's what's taking place right now, right? The big deal before the Supreme Court, these nine people that are supposed to direct our country with laws and tell us what's right and wrong. You see, God shows us in his word what is right and wrong. And we do need order, so I'm not mocking that per se. I'm talking about this is just bizarre that we're having this discussion. Science informs us, so who cares? Do you care? Do I care? I mean, God cares, and so should we. In Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. God created them. Two, only two, a male and a female. If you'd like to turn, but we're going to do it very quickly, Psalm 139, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. So as I go over these verses, this just isn't for you because most of you probably know these verses. This is for you to maybe write these down and and next time somebody asks you, hey, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. There is a God, and here are some verses. I encourage you to look at these verses because faith comes by hearing. And so you want to not argue with them per se. You want to get them the word of God as much as possible. Verse 15, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Again, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Nobody gets out of here early and nobody gets out of here late. You're going to leave right on time. God's got a moment, a second, where you're going to take your last breath and God is not going to be surprised. You might be, but God is not going to be surprised. So that's very reassuring. It might be really scary if you don't know God. But for me, I'm like, hey, praise God. Maybe it's today. It's fine with me if it's right now. Give me my last breath. Absent from the body is to be in heaven. And if you're not excited about that, you better get reading your word. Exodus 20.13 says, you shall not murder. Well, how do you know it's murder? Because life begins at conception. Dead cells don't reproduce. So scientifically, that would make it impossible for life to exist if they were just a bunch of dead cells. Again, you want to have a conversation with someone. You do want to bring in science because we believe in science. So you work in the word of God 
And then science confirms what the word of God has already told us because God developed science. So don't be afraid of science. A baby's heartbeat starts right around 21 days, which would mean that the baby would have a closed circulatory system. Think about that. With a possible unique blood type, not always, but most of the time, from the father and mother. You see, God, I renew this, but it is obviously backed up by what? Science. Hmm, amazing. Science is catching up with the Bible. You see, babies within the womb feel pain. This week I heard stupidity from one of the hierarchies of the Supreme Court that a baby doesn't feel pain in the womb. Stupidity. How do I know that? If a baby that is born prematurely, and let's say a baby weighs around three pounds, and this is not abnormal nowadays for a baby around three pounds to survive. It's not abnormal at all. Decades ago, yes, but not not, not anymore. If that baby feels pain on the outside of the mother's womb, on the very first day of their birth, you're trying to tell me that baby didn't feel pain the day before? then it's pretty basic logic that they would have felt the same pain within the womb. Here's an interesting thing. Guinea's Book of Records. The youngest baby to be born, 21 weeks. One day and I think it was 17 hours, but 21 weeks. The lightest baby to be born, you guys have a guess? Anybody want to guess? Shout it out. Eight Point six ounces and the baby survived so can a baby feel pain in the womb so again you, you know just thank god for science yeah, thank god for science but it doesn't negate the bible it just verifies the bible as david said i was fearfully and wonderfully made knit in my mother's womb before they had ultrasound david knew There was a process via the Holy Spirit. David knew and was inspired to write, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's why I'm dumbfounded that this is even a debate. But that's why we need to come alongside our children and grandchildren because they're seeing adults debating this. So it makes them smarter than you. It doesn't. When we go back to the word of God, if you stand upon the word of God, you're the smartest person in the room. Everybody else might think you're dumb, but you're the smartest person. So you guys, just stay with the word of God. Just stay with the word of God. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, throw up that slide. Ren, you want to throw up that slide? That one right there. Hmm. Maybe it's time we should homeschool. A little kid with a lighter burning an American flag. I've said this over the years. I think many of you have heard it. I don't know if you've taken it to heart or not, but you don't change a society from the old down. You old people are old and you're dying off. You'll soon be gone. Thank God. (laughs) I'm just saying from their perspective, this is the way the enemy looks at it. So you always change the society from the youth. You always change the society from the youth, not from the old people. They're checking out and they're setting their ways. 
So why are we having debates about pornography in school libraries? Because uh, the homosexual agenda, they've said this decades ago, we're not coming for you old people, and I'm paraphrasing it. If you want to do the research, back me up, feel free. Take me to, take me to task, you're going to find it out. We're not going for your old people, we're going for your kids. That is, guys, wake up. That is their agenda. They put it in print. They say it from the platform. We're going for your kids. And that's exactly what's being done. And we're still debating it. There's no debate. Do any of you people think that pornography is not pornography? I bet none of you would raise your hand and say, oh yeah, because your husband or wife would slap you. (laughs) Pornography is pornography. So why are we debating it? Because the enemy is in the midst. And so we have to be in prayer. We have to be in prayer. Jesus is coming back. So we can't change that. Jesus said it will be as it was in the days of Lot. Will be. And it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Will be. That's a guarantee. So we're not going to change that. But we can have an impact upon our sphere of influence. And that might even be your own family. And so if you're wondering or praying about it, we homeschooled our children through eighth grade. It was a tremendous blessing. Very, very hard. We sacrificed a lot. We didn't have two incomes. Uh, the kids had one pair of shoes. This isn't woe is me. I'm just trying to give you a, an example of you can do it if you want. Maybe you're sitting there wondering, well, we just can't do it. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot. But uh, children are worth it. So if you're debating and wondering, should I homeschool? There's more homeschoolers now than there ever was when we were doing it back in the 80s and 90s. Man, there's millions of them doing it now. Tremendous support system. So this is just a plug for homeschooling. If you want to homeschool, don't be afraid. Pray about it. Step out in faith. God will take care of the rest. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're new or visiting, we're going through Corinthians verse by verse. We made it up to verse 10, so, but let's go back to verse 7, verse 4. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, unlearned, unknowing. You know that, you're, that you are Gentiles, unbelievers, carried away to these dumb, lifeless, voiceless idols, however that you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one's speaking by the Holy Spirit. So now you're a believer. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. No one speaking by the Holy Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no one who's, who can say that Jesus is Lord, my Savior, my Master, except by the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of gifts. But the same Spirit, there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And boy, did we see that happening last night with the ladies' tea. But, here's the deal, but the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the outpouring from the indwelling, is given to each believer, every believer, if you're a believer here this morning, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, and that means you have at least one gift, one spiritual gift, at least one, but you have all of the gifts accessible to you, but you have at least one gift accessible to you, that's, that's your primary gift, to each one for the profit of all, or for the building up of the church, if you've been reading 12, 13, and 14, you, you, get, the, you get that. For to one is giving the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, so there is only one Holy Spirit's. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. And we covered these last week. To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. That's what we're going to hit on this morning, these two. To another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Notice that there is a difference there. There's a uniqueness. So when we do exercise tongues, um, there's in a public gathering or in a meeting, a believer's meeting, not public gathering, a believer's meeting, um, it, it's very, it shouldn't be typically where the person who speaks out in the tongue interprets the tongue. That can happen, but in most meetings that I have been to, a verification of the genuineness of it, and as you've re- been reading, 13 and 14, especially 14, uh, you only have two or three occurrences of those tongues, and then someone else will interpret. And I was in a meeting, um, boy, it's probably been 40 years ago, uh, at ASU, there was probably three or four hundred of us praying and singing and worshiping, and, and there was a tongue, and so everything stopped because that, that person spoke out above everyone else. So we were all mature enough to know, okay, let's listen to what God has to say. That person spoke out above everybody else, so the whole meeting stopped, and we all just prayed. Nobody freaked out. Nobody ran for the exit doors. We all just prayed. And after a few moments, another person across the room stood up and gave the interpretation of what that person just said. <laughs> I get the children talking about this. And then another person at the end of the meeting got up and said, I want you all to know I'm from Russia. And what happened earlier in this meeting, they spoke in my native tongue. And what that person said, that person interpreted. And I'm verifying it right now that God is real. It's real, guys. The gifts are real. But so many people are afraid, afraid, afraid of what God might do. You're not in the word of God if you're afraid of what God might do. God's bringing America down. I'm afraid. Why would you be afraid? If God's doing it, go with it. He's got your best sisters in mind. Isn't that what the Bible says? And if we go down with it, praise God, because we're going up to heaven. Let's just take somebody with us. Let's take somebody with us, the Titanic. Take somebody with you. You think they were worried about their furniture below deck? Those who are true believers are saying to people alongside them, would you receive Jesus right now? We're probably not going to make it. Would you receive Jesus right now? They weren't worried about anything else. We're going down. Would you receive Jesus? That's our calling, guys. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, to another gift, different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, I have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight it. But one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, works all these things, all these gifts that we've just talked about. He's the one that works them, not me. They're not self-motivated. They're self, not self-empowered. We have to totally trust that God knows what he's doing by giving us the gift or different gifts throughout the day, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Oh, somebody has that gift. I, I want that gift. Then pray that God would give you that gift. Don't look at the person. God's given that person that gift. Thank God for that gift. Move on. What gift do you have? And then be open to all the other gifts. Obviously, we should be open to all the other gifts. But don't envy or be jealous of something so 
That's fleshly. That's immature. Give God the praise that he's using all of the gifts amongst all of us. And we'll study next week about the body. Every member of the body is vital. Every member. Father, we thank you for the morning. Lord, I just pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm having a hot flash. If you're new or visiting, I'm going through man. A pause. So. I feel like a Costco chicken up here. So, got about as much hair as a Costco chicken. See, the gift of tongues and the interpretation thereof, I already mentioned it. Unfortunately, these are the most controversial gifts of all, of all of the gifts, which I believe once again shows the carnal side of the Corinthians, as well as Christianity. You see, saints giving in to the tactics of the enemy by breeding division. That's what was taking place in Corinth, breeding division. But the gifts are supernatural and given by God, so if you're trying to figure them out completely, forget about it. You're not going to be able to do it. As we've been studying, gifts are given by God to help build up the church, not tear it down. So if you come and you start arguing about the gifts in this church, I'm going to ask you to leave. It's not up for debate. There are gifts. Now, if you want to talk scriptures in a loving way and how to use those gifts, I'm more than happy to do that. But I will not allow division in the church. Go divide some other church if that's your calling. It's not going to happen here. Gifts are given by God to help build up the church, not to tear it down. It's that simple. If we discuss the gifts and then start an argument over them, we've obviously missed out on the purpose of those gifts. And that's why we desire to study the whole word of God because a love eliminates earthly division by bringing us into heavenly unity. So to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. First of all, where do we find these gifts listed here in Corinthians? Where do you guys find them listed in Corinthians? Last. Last. Let's look towards the end of chapter. Look at verse 28. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, and teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations. Variety of tongues. Interesting. Last. Again, last. You see, the gift of tongues is not even listed in Romans chapter 12, nor is it listed in Ephesians chapter 4. Not that all the gifts are cross-referenced, but if this gift was considered to be so important for so many people under the banner of Christianity, specifically speaking, dealing with a person's salvation, wouldn't the Holy Spirit have listed it in those various areas? Absolutely. As most of you know, some churches under the banner of Christianity have made this gift out to be a criteria for salvation. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And there are those who will insist that the gift of tongues is a sign of the infilling or the spirit-filled Christian. Not true. And yet there are others who will declare the gift of tongues is of the devil. Again, not true. 
Now, since there are just a few scriptures referencing this gift, we would do well to look closely at them and see how they address these issues. You see, in looking at verse 29 through 30, we have a problem with both of these arguments of spirituality because Paul is asking a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is, the question is, uh, is the Pope Catholic? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious, okay? That's a rhetorical question. And as you look at verses 29 through 30, you're going to see the answer to all of his questions are no. No. And one of those are, do all speak with tongues? The obvious answer, no. If you were going to be in context with the text, if you're going to let the Bible flow the way that it flows naturally and not twist it to your own liking, do all interpret? The obvious answer, no. Just keeping it in the text. It's pretty simple. Now, hopefully, you've been here with us over the last few weeks. You've remembered we've read over chapters 12, 13, 14. If you have, you've noticed that there's no reference to tongues as being a sign of salvation or of spiritual maturity. Matter of fact, Paul is writing these chapters because the Corinthians, who are using all of the gifts, were behaving very immature. Specifically, they were, very, they were behaving very poorly at their church services by misusing the gifts. And that's why we have specifically chapter 14. They were misbehaving. So Paul, through the Holy Spirit, had to guide them, correct them, and give them specifics on how to use the gifts in the settings of the church. Interesting. You see, the Christians at Corinth were placing an inappropriate importance upon the gift of tongues. And as we will see, the gift of tongues is important, but it can easily be mishandled. So the Holy Spirit brings this church the truth and establishes doctrine. Guys, this is doctrine about the use of tongues within the life of the believer as well as the life of the church. And we are so blessed that this church at Corinth was a spiritually active church because we have these verses because of that. So what is the gift of tongues? We first see the gift of tongues used on the day of Pentecost. The church was gathered in Jerusalem where Jesus had instructed them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 very quickly. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so 50 days... After Passover, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mushy, rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Acts chapter 2. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. You remember on the night of the resurrection, Jesus breathed on the disciples and they became believers on the night of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit came in them. Jesus told them before he ascended, go to Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit, wait, wait there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I personally believe two separate situations. You believe what you want to believe. I can show, and I will do a teaching on this very shortly in the next couple of weeks upon what that means, how that signifies, how that plays out. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, notice that, as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this noise went now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speaking in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya, about Cyrene and the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes or converts to Judaism, Greeks and Arabians, we do hear them, encourage you to highlight this, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were not drawing attention to themselves. They were pointing the ones who were hearing to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. And so even as we practice tongues, again, just to reiterate this, you might have to debug your program. It is not about you and your gift. It is about the gift that God has given to you and how you give glory to God through that gift and how you point others to that gift and how you bring the church together so that we can get things done together using those various gifts. So don't be afraid of the gifts. You see, here we see that the gift of tongues was for a specific purpose. It was to show the evidence of God's spirit coming upon his children that was prophesied hundreds of years earlier by Joel. As you read the rest of chapter 2, you'll see, which Peter makes reference to in Acts chapter 2, 17 through 21. So they were supernaturally given the ability to speak in a new language by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the 120... You'll find this in verse 1 and verse 15. There was roughly 120 were present. And it's important to notice that each one of them received a tongue and not just the 12 apostles. We see that there were at least 17 different groups. When you count that, there's 17 different groups mentioned in verses 9 through 11. There, and there, but there could have been many languages within each one of those groups. If someone comes along and says, hey, I'm from New York City. How many different languages are represented there? What is interesting here is that we see that those gathered in Jerusalem were hearing about the wonderful works of God in their native tongue. This miracle, this is a miracle. Remember what a miracle is? Something supernatural. Supernatural. Was performed to open the eyes of the people to a new demonstration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and to give the disciples the opportunity to witness about Jesus, which, by the way, ended up starting the New Testament church. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. The second occurrence was in Acts 10, and I believe it happened to show that God is not a respecter of persons. Now, if you were here when we did the book of Acts, you will will remember that the church was Jewish. It was strictly Jewish. They were not going out to the Gentiles until this occurrence. How many years that took? I don't know, but it took several years. Not decades, but it did take several years. Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, 
and other Gentiles that were gathered with him, the Holy Spirit did what? Fell upon them. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Astonished about what? They're Gentiles. God doesn't love Gentiles. Really? Uh, Let me see. In the Old Testament, did God love Gentiles in the Old Testament? If you don't know, you you need to be reading from Genesis to Revelation, and you will come across the largest revival in the Old Testament through a reluctant prophet that was running away from God. And at, at the end of the revival, he still whined that God would be so merciful to save the Ninevites, those stinking Gentiles. Jonah. Jonah. Hmm. And those of the circumcised who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And you'll also remember that I mentioned it last week or the previous week, I forget when, that we basically, you have a rule of scripture. You have doctrine. There's rules. And then there's exceptions to the rule. God can make exceptions because he's God. We can't tell God, no, you can't do that. He's God. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to make the exception the rule. So you have the rule of scripture, You allow God to make an exception. Now, God will never compromise. He will never condone sin. So don't come up and talk to me about that. I'm making it perfectly clear right now. God would never say, um, go into a strip club. Uh, No, he wouldn't say that. So, So don't even go down that road. Be mature enough to go, okay, there's rules, but can God make exceptions? Because right here, there's an exception. It doesn't appear that they received Jesus as their savior prior to receiving the gift of tongues. Do you see the point? Then Peter baptized them. They received Jesus as their savior. So don't get so hung up about doctrine that it's just rigid. We need, we need rigid doctrines, but we need to allow God be God. That, that's the point I'm making. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? The third occurrence, look at Acts 19. The third occurrence is found in Acts 19, 1 through 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, Acts 19. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they were water baptized. So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him. So for me, as Paul's sharing this, I believe that these people receive Jesus as their savior because that's what Paul is reiterating here. Who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, this is going to be part of the study in a few weeks. So if you want to do study ahead of time, you might want to look at laying out of hands. 
so that you'll be able to follow along with what I'm going to share in a few weeks. The laying out of the hands. Do some study. Is there a doctrine of laying out of the hands? You're going to find out there is. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Very important. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And remember we talked about what prophecy is last week? So, very important. So some will take these various occurrences and say that speaking in tongues is a sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being spirit-filled. They will even reference the words of our Lord found in Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, shall they speak with new tongues. It shall take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now as you look at that list and you only had that list and no other scriptures, how many of you have ever, let me, let me, do, let me do it differently. How many of you have, well, I guess I can say it that way. How many of you ever cast out a demon? Anybody in here ever cast out a demon? I mean, you literally know, you literally know that you cast out a demon. That's okay, don't be afraid. Raise your hand up. I'm not saying it's not possible. It is possible. You can do this. Okay, so if you, through Jesus, yeah, through Jesus. Okay, majority of you did not. What's the matter with you people? Are you saved? You see how we can go on an extreme? It's very easy to go on an extreme. Because Jesus said we should all be casting out demons if we're saved. How many of you have drank deadly poison lately? I'm not talking about a Coke. I'm talking about something really deadly. Somebody came up to you and said, you know what? This is going to kill you. It's bleach. Feel free to drink it. I want to see if you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, bring it on. It's just bleach? Hello? Jesus said you could do it. Why aren't you doing it? So you got to take all the scriptures, all of the scriptures, not just one or two. They shall take up serpents. I don't mess with rattlesnakes. A dead snake is the best snake to me, any kind of snake. I don't like snakes. I know down south they like doing this. Keep it down south. Don't bring it here. I don't want it. You know, so you want to take all of the scriptures. You see, if we didn't have the rest of the scriptures, as I already mentioned, I would agree with it. So with that in mind, I think it's safe to say that the scriptures establish that not everyone has the gift of tongues. So what does Paul say the gift of tongues is for then? And we're going to get into this deeper when we get there in 14. But here it is in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And we'll get into this more, so just hang in there. But do your study now, because you should be reading 12, 13, and 14 so that you get a bigger grasp of the gifts. Notice that there. The gift of tongues is the only gift that I've found is the only gift for self-edification. All the other gifts are for the building up of the church, but they can also be used in a meeting where there's going to be interpretation. As you do a deep study, as far as I've found, that's the only gift. So if you have, and I've talked with people, Christians, who have had the gift of tongues and for 10 or 20 years have not used the gift of tongues because they didn't, reserve the gift, they didn't receive the gift of interpretation, so they thought it was just a bunch of rubbish. It's not a bunch of rubbish. I've been speaking with the gift of tongues for 40 plus years. I have not received the gift of interpretation. I, I get self I get stronger because the Holy Spirit, I'm surrendering to the Holy Spirit. That's what faith is all about, is it not? 
Faith is trusting in the word of God even when I don't understand it. That's what faith is. Now, that doesn't mean I should always believe that. No, that's why I study and learn just like you should do. But there's a certain aspect of faith where you just got to go with what you got because God says to go. And so God tells me I've got this gift. I'm using it. And if I'm just doing rubbish, well, that's been God and me, not you. But I'm just giving you an example. If you haven't used that gift and you have it, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Use that gift in your life. So important. It can also help our private devotional. I can praise God with a tongue and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf. Romans 8, 26, 27 says this. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So sometimes I don't have the words to say to truly express what I would like to say, whether it's in a request or whether it's in adoration. When I say thank you to the Father, it can be very limited due to my own knowledge and language. So sometimes I will just speak in tongues, but I I will never do it in a group setting or if I'm praying over people Because according to the word of God, there needs to be an interpretation. I might pray quietly to myself as I'm praying for healing for somebody, but I will not put it out there because I don't believe that's orderly. I don't believe it's doctrinal. So again, we want to allow exceptions, but don't make the exception the rule. Stick with the rule and allow, allow exceptions. What shouldn't happen with tongues? Well, they shouldn't be, as the music team comes up, they shouldn't be used as a sign to prove spirituality. Love is the sign of that. They shouldn't be overly used in a believer's meeting or what is termed today as an afterglow, two or three times with interpretations or not at all. Not at all. They shouldn't be used during a normal service for it causes confusion for those who might be in attendance that are unbelievers. Someone might say that they cannot control what the Spirit does through them. Well, if you've been reading, 1 Corinthians 14 says this, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And then verse 19, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding. I'd rather speak five words with my understanding. In other words, if I understand it, you're going to be able to understand it. English is English. I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown language. If I just spoke 10,000 words, which would take 45 minutes, and you all didn't know what I was saying, you'd all leave going, wasn't that a great study? You'd all be going, why did we go to church? Paul says it, emphasizing what? That they were out of whack. The Corinthians were misusing the gifts. I'd rather speak five words that you might understand than 10,000 in a tongue. Does that mean we shouldn't speak in tongues? No, just chapter 14. Keep reading it. 
Because it says we shouldn't forbid to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 28 says this, but if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself, speak to himself and God. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, which, sorry guys, I didn't make a slide. I'll have you make it for the second service. Therefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Covet, desire the word of God, desire to share the word of God with a believer or an unbeliever. These are all instructions that you're finding in 14. So again, please read 12, 13, 14 all together. If you have the gift of tongues, you should be enjoying them. If you don't, pray for them. Don't get mad. Don't get frustrated. Don't beg. Don't plead. Just pray and let God be God. Father, we thank you and praise you for this study. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you that they're real and that you, through your Holy Spirit, you are the one who determines to give a gift to every Bible-believing Christian, which you have. You have given one gift to every Bible-believing Christian, but then you distribute other gifts as you see fit, not as we see fit, as you see fit. So Lord, I just thank you and praise you for the gifts. And as we read ahead how they work so well, when we're mature enough to allow them to work, even as we saw last night, and as we've seen so many times over the years here, just people using their gifts in a humble way that you might be lifted up and that others might see that you are real, that you love humanity, that you love the church. Fathers, we go out this week, help us to be real. Help us to love people to the best of our abilities, whatever that may look like, whatever that may involve. Just help us to be available as we see our country imploding. We know you have a plan and a purpose behind it all. We're not, we're not worried. We're not fretting. We're not living in fear. I pray we're not living in fear. We're looking up. We're looking up and praying your will be done. Your will be done. Help us to take somebody with us as we get ready to exit this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.